0: This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. Your Bibles this morning, would you open them please to the book of Philippians. I'm very conscious this morning of the time that we have allotted, we're we're doing our very best to be able to accomplish this. Two services and you know, getting one, move, one group in and another group out and cleaning the sanctuary in between. And then, So I'm very conscious of that. I know our teams are on standby. We're gonna go a little over this morning. So I wanna give our cleaning teams and others just a little heads up. We're going to go a little over uh, this morning as we, as we go forward. We are coming to the conclusion of our Philippian series. Uh, we have this week and then next week will be the, the final uh, of that series. And, and yet we, as I thought about it this week, we have entered into some of the most weighty and important territory in the whole letter. I hope that God is ministering to you and helping you Uh, as you engage with the scriptures. We've talked about this a lot. We won't take a lot of time, but I hope that that you're getting it. Two weeks ago, we talked about how do you defeat worry and anxiety? How do you overcome that? Paul talked about the peace of God that was available for us to be able to live a life free from worry, anxiety, and fear. And then last week, he just Tied that into this idea that we should live the kind of lives that are daily living examples to other people to follow Christ. It was very impactful. I hope that you got what I was saying last Sunday that it is terribly provoking, very provocative to ask the question, but it's so important. If somebody lived their life just exactly the way that you did it, will they get to heaven? because that's the kind of life God wants you to live. He wants you to live that kind of life. And Paul makes that very strong case about how important it is that we do that. And so this morning we come to one of the more familiar passages, but probably not in the way that you might think. Everybody that knows anything about Philippians knows Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. But a lot of times when we When we read these verses, we take them out of context and we quote them. They're they're just as true, but in order to understand why Paul can say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, you have to understand the context in which he was trying to write about that. Because I think the question that we have to ask today is, how does somebody live in a materialistic, me first world, With a peace that makes our life completely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Because everything that you and I stand for, the world is is against. Everything that we live and believe in, the world is in a different mindset. The world's very materialistic. The world's very much about themselves. Very self-centered in that. And yet Christ calls us to a different kind of life. And that's what Paul's gonna talk about. I want you to open your Bibles to Philippians four. We're gonna start in verse 10. Philippians chapter four, verse 10. Here's what Paul said. How I praise the Lord that you were concerned about me again. Now, go ahead and stand, that's fine. I'm sorry for not prompting you to do that. Go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. And as you're standing, just know this. A lot of times we miss the point that the letter of Philippians was written as a thank you letter to the church at Philippi for their commitment in helping Paul in ministry. And so he mentions that here, how I praise the Lord that you were concerned about me again. I know that you have always been concerned for me, but I did you did not have a chance to help me. Verse 11, not that I was ever in need for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Verse 13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I wanna talk this morning about what it means to experience contentment. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you will do in this room today. By faith, we give glory to you in advance for how you are going to invest and touch the hearts and minds of all of us as we hear your word. Father, you know where every person is. You know where every life is. You know the circumstances, the challenges, the difficulties that they brought into this house today. And Father, I pray that you will meet them at the very point of their need. Healing, deliverance in Jesus' name. Forgiveness, liberty, by the power of God, break the chains and set free. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You may be seated. Let me take a quick poll, quick opinion poll. You do this by the showing of your hands. How many of you would say to me, based on where I am right now, and what I think I'm trying to do with my life, I would consider my life to be a success? Let me see your hand. Now, listen, we're not taking pledges for the building fund here. You raise your hand if you believe that your life was in fact a success. Now, you see, what makes that difficult for us is that we sometimes we don't even know what the the metric is for measuring that. What would it mean to live a life of success? What would it mean to be successful? And what it would mean for James Welch would be different than what it would mean for Betty Stinson, perhaps. Just in the metric of where they are in their life and what they're trying to do. And so I I was interested uh, back a a couple of years ago, the World uh, World Economic Forum did this survey of 2,000 American people. And they asked the question, what would cause you to consider that your life is successful? Anybody got an idea what was at the top of that list? Money. People said if I had enough money, it was interesting when I looked at the study, they said if I had enough money that I wouldn't have to worry about paying for my bills, I'd be successful. If I had enough money that I could loan money to my friends and neighbors as needed without any worry, I'd be successful, money. Not only was, was money one, the second one was a job. And it was interesting that they said it's a fulfilling job that requires 30 or less hours a week with this caveat, five weeks of vacation. That that's, would mean you were successful. 79% of people said that being married would be a sign that you were successful. I guess it depends on who you were married to, but nonetheless, having four good solid friends would mean that you're success. That's pretty simple, four good solid friends. Do you have four good solid friends? Owning a home or a car was on 70% of people's list. If you owned your home or a car, then you were considered to be a success. Able to travel whenever you wanted to. And I love this one, living where you wanted to live. And so they asked them, where would you like to live? Where do you think most Americans would like to live? No, Italy, I don't know why that was what, Italy. Now, I will tell you this, Perry, Ohio was not in the top 10. I looked all the way down to 10, it wasn't there. Having status was another key uh, indicator that a person was success because of wealth or fame, notoriety or leisure, having that kind of status. You see, the Bible has a different formula for success, doesn't it? In Joshua chapter one, verse seven, it'll be on the screen, be strong and brave. Be sure to obey all the teachings my servant Moses gave you. If you follow them exactly, you will be successful in everything that you do. Pretty simple, you obey what's in this book, you're gonna be successful. Always remember what is written in the book of the teaching, study it day and night, to be sure to obey everything written there. And if you do this, you will be wise and you will be successful in every thing. So what does the life of contentment actually look like? And from reading what we just read to you in Paul's letter, I think that Paul says two things identify this life of contentment the way that God wants it to be. The first is this, a life that is not dictated by outside conditions. The contented life is a life that is not dictated by what's going on outside of me. Now the word contentment actually means a state of happiness and satisfaction. And I want you to notice something. If your Bibles are still open, and I don't know if this is on the screen or not, but if it is, you'll see it. Notice what Paul says. He says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. And then he goes on to say, I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Two things that Paul said I've learned. And it's interesting that he had to learn them because contentment is not something that comes natural to human beings. We're never content. We're never content with the way we look. We're never content with where we are. We're never content with what we have. We always think we have to have something else. And Paul said, I've learned how to be content with whatever I've got. I thought about trying to find an example. And it's this. You remember when the iPhone came out? 2007, I believe it came out. It was supposed to revolutionize our lives. And for the most part, it did. And yet every year, a new phone comes out. And here's the marketing for every new iPhone, which by the way, the new ones are out. It is the best phone you've ever had. Bigger cameras, bigger memory, faster speeds. Now, the new phones are talking about 5G, which by the way, nobody in Ohio has 5G, just so you know that. There's only 25 cities in the United States that have 5G. So if you're buying that phone for the 5G, you're gonna have to wait. But but the point is, the point is that we're never satisfied. The other day, Shelly was having trouble with her phone and she said, you know, I wish I could go back to my Blackberry. I said, sweetheart, the Blackberry is in the grave. We've moved on to She said, but it just wasn't so much better for me at that point. There's always something bigger, something better, something nicer, something more. And the reason that they do it is that they appeal to this discontent that we have, that we need more, that we need something better, something bigger, something more, something this, something that. Paul said, I have learned two things. I have learned to be content with what I have. I've made some choices about the kind of things that are going to define my life. And I'm telling you right now, it's not gonna be my phone. My life is not gonna be decided by the abundance of things that I possess. It's not a bigger car, it's not a bigger house, it's not more money. Those kind of things will never satisfy us. We're always gonna be chasing something else. He said, I've learned how to be content with what I have and I've learned how to be able to live in every situation. Good times, bad times, struggling times, and we all have them. You know, don't you be fooled by the fact that seven people stood up here on this stage today and sang with vigor and vim. They don't have it all together. They don't have all the answers in their life. They don't, they don't live a life free from struggle. Some of them sing out of their own pain. Some of them sing out of their own struggle. But when you have the kind of relationship that is not determined by outside circumstances, you can sing in the darkest of places. You can sing when life is hard. You can shout the glory of God when things are not well. Now let me tell you why this is important. Peter, writing in his letter in 2 Peter chapter three says this, the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in the fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment since everything around us is going to be destroyed. What are you saying? All the things that you're chasing, they're gonna go away. If your life is dictated by things that are outside of you, status, money, wealth, did you notice on that list, everything on that list was outside of us. None of it about who we are, none of it about what's inside of us. All of those are outside things if your contentment And your measurement of success is all of those kind of things. You're never, ever, ever gonna be contented. You're always gonna be chasing the next big thing. Paul said, I've learned how to do this. What does it mean to us? It means that you can be content with or without money. You can be content with or without a job. You can be content with or without notoriety. You can be content with or without a degree. You can be content and never leave your town that you're in. It it simply means that what's going on around us is just what's going on around us, but it isn't who we are. And it doesn't change our perspective that we serve a living God who is alive and control, and He is still the King of kings regardless of what's going on out there in the world. Somebody said a few weeks ago there was some upheaval, you know, in the Middle East. And, you know, I, I just do, I just, I notice and chase after gas prices. I can tell you, you know, where the cheap gas is. I, I just, it's some of those things that I do. I can tell you that gas in Perry and Madison's about 10 to 15 cents cheaper than it is in minner And I have no idea except they probably think people in minner have more money than we do. So the gas there is a little more expensive. But whatever the reason is, someone said to me, well, what do you think? Do you think gas is gonna go to $4 a gallon? I said, it doesn't matter. If gas goes to $4 a gallon, God will provide the money for gas. You hear what I'm saying? Somebody said, boy, grocery prices are really up now because of the pandemic, doesn't matter. My life is not dictated by the outside circumstances. I'm not trusting in men or governments or institutions to provide my peace and sanity. My hope is in the Lord of glory who is my provider and he is the one who makes me content. I'm not living because of the the intent of others. I'm living because God has said, I will supply every need. Sotoyendidi. You see, if you live a life that somehow another has to have outside, it's gotta have this or that, you gotta have that to be happy, you'll always be chasing it. Paul said, I'm sitting right here and I'm content. I've learned to do with it or without it because I don't have to have it. It doesn't define who I am. It doesn't define my life. Here's the second thing. Paul said the life that is truly contented is a life that has Christ in the middle. Notice what he says in verse 13. He said, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Some of you need to hear what I'm saying right now. You need to tune up just a moment here and listen to what I'm saying. The key to living a contented life, whether you are 25 or 55, The key to living a contented life is how much of Jesus Christ is going to define who you are. How much of Jesus Christ is going to define who you are? If you allow Jesus Christ to define your life, you can live a contented life regardless of what's taken. You can sing the song of glory. You can have the praise of God. You can have the peace we've been talking about the last several weeks. But you can only do it when you put Jesus Christ in the middle of your life and you make him the influencer of who you are. I used to have this wonderful, wonderful lady who attended my church in North Carolina when I pastored there. Her name was Edna. She was a precious senior lady. We had to bring her to church. Every Sunday morning, when Edna would come to church, she would say, Pastor, you got a minute? Yes, Edna, what can I help you with? Let me tell you what the devil told me. And I'd have to listen to a, dis- a, a, a diatribe of what the devil had told her. I was 23 years old at the time, and I didn't know how to actually cut it off. And I'd listen to it week after week until Sunday. I said, Edna, I don't care what the devil's telling you. The Bible said the devil is a liar. Why do you care what the devil says? And I'm trying to tell us this morning, we need to quit listening to the voices of this world. We need to quit listening to the narrative of this world and allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our heart because the God of glory will take us where we need to go. We can get so caught up, but if Christ is not in the middle of our life, if he's not the influencer, we're never gonna be happy. We're never gonna be happy. So the key is how much of Jesus Christ is gonna influence who you are. In the time of Paul, the stoic philosophy of the day was that contentment actually meant that a person passively accepted whatever is and didn't fret about it. Now to some regard, I get that, except That what historians say happened in that culture was it fostered a self-sufficiency in which all of the resources for coping with life's problems were located within that individual person. What it simply means is that they started saying, I don't need any, any gods. I don't need outside influence. I'll just focus on myself. You know, you can hear that same philosophy today. You are your own God. You do what is right in your own eyes. You make the decision that's best for you and when you do that sometimes, you can slide off of a slippery slope and forget that Christ must be in the middle of your life. He must be the influencer of all that you are. Now what I need you to understand is that Paul was not saying I can do all things through Christ because I've got it worked out in me. No, he's saying that there is a strength and a power that is in me that comes through Jesus Christ. And that's how I do it. You wanna know how I'm holding it together? I'm not holding it together because I have this inner resource that is stronger than my circumstances. I'm doing it because I'm holding on to the one who is bigger and greater and more powerful than I am and he's getting me through. Why some of your friends don't know how in the world you're managing your crisis? They don't know the hope that is in you. They don't understand that you're not seeking for comfort in the the trappings of this world, but that you in fact have decided that you will survive because your strength is not things outside of this of this in this world, but it is the power of God that is at work in you, empowering you to be the person God wants you to be. said you want to know what's going on inside of me it's God it's Jesus Christ that's inside of me he's the one he's the one that's making the difference and what I'm telling you is whatever circumstance I'm in I'm good whatever things I'm going through I'm good I don't have to have other people I don't have to have other things I'm good Because with him as my strength, I can face my problems. With him as my strength, I can deal with my addiction. With him as my strength, I can get through my depression. With him as my strength, I can raise my children. With him as my strength, I can make my marriage strong. With him as my strength, I can do anything. In him, Paul said, I live and have my being. He said to the Galatians, he said, it's not me that's living, it's Christ who is living inside of me. And the life that I'm living, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I can't help but believe this morning that there's someone in this room today that needs to hear what I'm I'm saying to you. Because sometimes life can be hard. Sometimes life can be difficult, but you hear me. When you live a contented life with Christ in the middle of your life, you can say, I'm thankful that you're here, but if you left me, I'd still have Jesus. I'm glad you came to help me, but if the banker says no, I still got Jesus. If the world falls apart, he's not gonna leave me. If the scans don't look good, I'm still okay. If the company closes down, God's got me. If the nuclear plant closes, all is well. If social security goes broke, God is my provider. This world is not my source. Jesus is the strength of my life. And as long as I have Jesus, come on somebody, hear me now. Get up, Shandaya. As long as I've got Jesus, because I came somewhere to tell somebody today that Jesus is enough. He's all you need. You don't have to have anybody else. If you've got Jesus, Jesus is enough. He's enough for whatever you're facing today. Yes. Yes. He's enough. He's more than enough. More than enough. Jesus. God, I feel him in this house today. Somebody lift up your hand right now and thank him that he's enough. Thank God that he's enough. Thank God that he's enough. He is enough. Glory to God, hallelujah. Now I understand, it took me a while. But maybe 40 days in Philippians has been for me if it's been for nobody else. But now I understand. It took me a while to get here. But when Paul says this, he says, don't behave and copy the behavior and customs of the world. Transformed," he said. Be transformed. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing perfect. He started out by saying, give your bodies as a living sacrifice to him. It's a reasonable service and don't let yourself buy in to the conformity of the way the world thinks. Because the world thinks that their source is not Jesus. In fact, it's become rather popular now for agnostics and atheists to say we don't need Jesus. We can do this ourselves. That's what Paul said. You can't. You can't. You're not smart enough. You're not resourceful enough. You're going to fail. And you're going to come back at some point and realize he is all that you need. If you have Jesus, it's all that you need our heads to pray today. Heavenly Father, I say humbly to you today that I feel like somebody, somebody heard a word from the Lord. You saved us when we could not save ourselves you cleaned us up, you put your spirit in us, you caused there to be a song in our heart we can't ever go back nor can we be defined by the things that are going on around us in the world today we've been called to a higher place So, Father, I pray today for that soul, that life that's in this room today right now, that's trying to find their footing, trying to find their way. I pray right now for the courage and the strength of God in their heart. I come against everything that the enemy has erected as a barrier to them. And strongly I pray, Jesus, your You're bigger than our problems. You're bigger than our obstacles. You're bigger than our sorrows. You're bigger than our grief. (laughs) You're bigger than our lack. You're enough. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in this room today and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'd love to pray a sinner's prayer with you right now it's that kind of atmosphere just victory and liberty all over the room today you can walk out and be free in Jesus name say Pastor Bill I want to I know Christ I don't know him I want to know him hold up your hand where you are right now hold up your hand right now in Jesus name I don't know him Maybe you're in the room this morning and you say to me, listen, I needed this message today. I needed this. I needed to find my way beyond the struggle that I'm in. I needed to find hope. Hold up your hand where you are. Yes. Yes. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. God sees. He understands. He knows where you are. Yes. God bless you. Yes. God bless you. Thank you. Stand together, please, all over the room. We're going to pray a congregational prayer together. Everybody will be praying in their own way, however you feel you want to pray. We're going to be praying for people who lifted their hands, those who have needs, that need God to help you with we're gonna pray that prayer together and then don't go anywhere because we're going to receive the Lord's communion before we leave today I don't want you to miss that because I think God wants to do something right there let's all pray together father in the name of Jesus we lift up our voices right now in this house We pray over every person that's standing in this house, every person that's watching us online right now. God, we're praying over those people, over those lives. Father, you know, you understand. You know where we are. You know what we're facing. You know what we're going through. And Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for deliverance, for grace and power and courage and strength over them today. I trust you today and believe you, Father, that you are at work in our church among our people and that you have spoken into our lives today the truth of your word and we believe you for that now, Father. We stand in agreement with those who lifted their hand today that they needed God to help them, to strengthen them. We are in agreement with them today for the miracle that they need in their life. We know that you are enough and we trust you for that today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to speak just a moment to our folks online. I just I just felt a, a tug from the Lord to remind you, you may not be in this room, but the same presence of God is where you are. <laughs> glory, glory. <laughs> and if you're in your living room or in your car or wherever you may be looking at this service right now, maybe it's later. Maybe you're going to watch this as a recording later. Can I just say to you, God cares about where you are and He is enough. For whatever you're facing, whatever you're needing. If you reach out, if you want help, you reach out. Somebody on our team will reach you. You can use the comment section. You can reach out to our church. You can go to our website. All that is right there in front of you. Reach out. Someone will help you. But know this. The Lord is enough. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.